Robert Sapp here. Thought I'd read study from 2 Samuel, chapter 9, starting with verse 1. If I had to give a title to this podcast, it would be The Tablecloth of Grace. And David said, Is there yet any that is left of the house of Saul, that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? And there was of the house of Saul a servant whose name was Ziba. And when he, they had called him unto David, the king said unto him, Art thou Ziba? And he said, Thy servant is he. And the king said, Is there not yet any of the house of Saul, that I may show the kindness of God unto him? And Ziba said unto the king, Jonathan hath yet a son, which is lame on his feet. And the king said unto him, Where is he? And Ziba said unto the king, Behold, he is in the house of Maker, the son of Emil, and Lodabar. Then King David sent and fetched him out of the house of Mature, the son of Amimiel, from Lodabar. Now when Mishibotheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, was coming to David, he fell on his face and did reverence. And David said, Mishibotheth, and he answered, Behold thy servant. And David said unto him, Fear not, for I will surely show thee kindness for Jonathan thy father's sake and will restore thee all the land of Saul thy father, and thou shalt eat bread at my table continually. And he bowed himself and said, What is thy servant, that thou shouldest look upon such a dead dog as I am? Now here's a clear Old Testament picture of the grace of God and the love of Jesus. You see, David was doing this not for Jonathan, not looking for a a soul from Jonathan, but he actually looked for someone that was from the house of Saul. Saul was the king before David, and Saul had tried to kill King David multiple times, but he was wanting to show grace to somebody from Saul's family. And it just so happened that Saul's son, Jonathan, and David were best friends. They were they were like brothers. And it this young man Meshibotheth was five years old when his father and grandfather and his uncles got killed in the battle. And in that day, in the culture of that day, when the king's fa- when the king died, uh, most of the family got killed as well. And that's what the nurse who was taking care of Meshibotheth felt like was going to happen was the king's family, including this five-year-old, was going to be killed. So she was running or taking off with this young man, and she either fell or dropped or whatever, this young man, and he was lame from five years old. Now, on into the scriptures, we find that Meshibotheth was an adult at this time, and he had sons himself, so maybe 20, 21, 22 years of age. But he had been lame most of his life. But yet, here's King David wanting to show kindness to this lame individual. Not because he was Jonathan. I think it was just a better better situation, if you will, because it was Jonathan's son. But he was looking for a king, King Saul's family, a member, direct descendant. Now, there was probably plenty of children that had been born of concubines still around, but he wanted someone that was in direct alignment with the king. He wanted someone who 
was probably going to be or could have been one of the following kings. And this young boy would have been in the line, whether or not there was children older than him, I don't know, but there would have, he would have been in the line of the kingship because he was Jonathan's son. And he wanted to show kindness and mercy and grace. Isn't that a picture of God? No matter what we look like, God wants to give us mercy. He gave us the cross of Calvary. He gave us Jesus Christ and shed blood on the cross of Calvary for our sins. Not because of who we are, because of who Jesus was and is. God gives us mercy because of his son and the love of his son, Jesus Christ. So we see that this king, King David, calls this young man and he's lame. He's, he can't walk. So he's been having carried in there. And he says, you're going to sit at my table continually. Now again, at the time, the culture of the day, only the best sat at the king's table. And only the best of the family sat at the king's table. Here is King David adopting a son, a grandson of his enemy, Saul, into his family so he could sit at the table. It didn't matter to David that Meshibotheth was, was lame. He was, uh, he was being adopted. He was going to sit at the table. And while he was sitting at the table, I've always envisioned that the table had a tablecloth. Now, I don't think they had tablecloths back then, but work with me on this one. Let's say that they did. Now, that tablecloth covered the top of the table, and it draped over the sides. And when you sat down at the table, your feet and legs went under the tablecloth. And you could no longer see your legs or your feet. So when they sat... Meshibotheth down at the table and his lame legs went under the tablecloth. He was just like everyone else that sat at the table. His lameness, his disability, his, his problem was covered by the tablecloth. Isn't that just like our Christ? His blood covers our affirmities. His blood covers our sins. His blood covers our disabilities. And we can sit at the table. In Psalms 23, he said, uh, I will prepare a table in the presence of who? Our enemies. So Jesus is telling us that he's going to prepare us a table and we're going to sit down at the table and it does not matter what we look like. It does not matter who we are, where we come from, what we talk like. Guys, we may not speak English. We may speak a foreign language we may not be able to speak. It does not matter because, you see, the grace of God covers everything. And we get to sit at the table and we get to push up to the table and we get or pull up to the table, if you will, and we get to partake of the best. This man did not deserve sitting at King David's table. Now, he would have sit at King Saul's table and his father Jonathan's table. 
but he did not deserve to sit at King David's table. But King David said, I'm going to make you a place. I'm going to set you a place at my table, and you're going to sit at my table, and you're going to eat bread off of my table continually until you pass away. That's the grace of God in our life. God said, you'll sit at my table as long as you have accepted Christ as your Savior. You'll sit at my table. It's the sin of disobedience that keeps us from going to heaven. It's not God. It's not Satan even. It's the sin of our disobedience. Now we, if you're not following Christ, you are following Satan. There's no other options. There's two leaders. There's Jesus and there's Satan. And it depends on who you are following. If you have accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're in Jesus' camp. But if you have not made that acceptance, if you've not accepted what Christ done for us on the cross of Calvary, then you are sitting and following Satan, and you are in Satan's camp, and you are an enemy of God. Now, hear what I just said. If you've not accepted Christ, you are following Satan, and you are an enemy of God. But Jesus dying on the cross of Calvary and shedding his blood for you, for me, for whoever, he is adopting us out of the camp of Satan. He is adopting us out of our, his enemy's camp. He's making a way for us to leave Satan's camp and go into his camp. And there is nothing that Satan can do to stop it. He can stand back and he can lie to you and he can lie to you and he can lie to you and tell you that when you accept Christ, when you say, Lord, forgive me of my sins, he's going to climb up on your shoulder, he's going to whisper in your ear, you didn't get anything. There's nothing happened. This is a figment of your imagination. But I'm here to tell you that it is not a figment of your imagination. It is very much real. Now, I wish I could tell you that if you accept Christ, that everything in your world is going to be smooth sailing. I think uh, the nautical blessing is full sails and following seas. I wish I could say that, but I can't, because the moment that you accept Christ, Satan wants you back in his camp, and he's going to do everything he can to get you back in his camp. But don't listen to him. Don't follow after him. Christ made a way through the cross of Calvary, through the shedding of his blood, to get you out of the camp of Satan and into his camp. He has adopted you. And because he has adopted you, we get to sit at the table of the king. And we get to sit there with all of our past affirmities, all of our, our problems, all of our situations. We get to sit there at the table of a king because you're a joint heir to a king once you accept Jesus. The way is not easy. It's not smooth sailing. 
But as long as you keep your hand in, in Christ, no matter what Satan throws at you, he throws at you and Jesus. Now, yes, there are going to be hard times come. That's just life in general. But you will have an advocate, you will have a friend, and trust me, it could be so much worse. As long as you keep your hand in, in Christ, it, it's worth it in the end. Now, I know that sounds foolish. Oh, the, the homeless, the helplessness, the bankruptcy, the marriages that are falling apart, the children that don't love you. All I, I understand all of that. I do. Fortunately, I've never been homeless, but yes, I have felt helpless. And at times, I've felt unloved. At times, I was unlovable. There's been bad days in my life, but I know as long as I keep my eyes, my focus on Christ, that the good day at the end, my last breath here, my next breath will be there. It'll be worth it. It will be worth it in the end. When I can stand at the feet of Jesus, when I can kneel at the feet of Christ, and I can worship and I can praise Him, it'll be worth it. The tablecloth of grace flowed from the cross of Calvary and it was red. It flowed in great drops and it touched the ground and it ran off in rivers, if you will. One drop of Christ's blood would have been sufficient but to make sure he shed every bit of blood he had. He gave it all to us. He wanted us to be completely and totally covered by His tablecloth of grace, His blood. And we get to sit at that table, and when somebody asks, what are you doing here? You can look at them, you can smile, and you can say, because my big brother told me I get to sit here. I will make a table for you in the presence of your enemies. So guys, Meshibbethel, he didn't deserve to sit at the table of the king. We do not deserve to sit at the table of the king. But because King David wanted to show mercy on someone in his enemy's family, and in this case, it just so happened that this young man was a direct descendant. He was a son of Jonathan, his friend, King David's friend. So he gets to sit at the table of the king because the king had mercy. Not because he, Meshibbethel, deserved it. You get to sit at the king table not because you deserve it but because Christ showed mercy from the cross of Calvary and God loved Jesus so much that the shedding of the blood of Christ covers our sins 
and they're put away from us as far as the east is from the west, never to be remembered against us any longer. And it's so simple to have a place set at the grace, at the table of grace, at the king's table. All you have to do is accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Now, you'll hear over the years in your lifetime, oh, just say the sinner's prayer. I'm here to tell you there's no such thing as in the scriptures. From Genesis to Revelation, there is no such thing as the sinner's prayer. There's no magic words that you have to say. You just have to accept what Christ did for you on the cross of Calvary. You have to say, sincerely say in your heart that you are sorry for the sins that you have committed and that you want the shed blood to be applied to your life. Now, I don't understand how the red blood can take a soul that's black with sin and make it white as snow. I don't understand that. But I don't have to understand it. I don't have to understand it. I don't have to even acknowledge that I understand it. I don't have to pretend to understand it. All I have to do is acknowledge what Christ did and accept what Christ did and apply what Christ did to my heart, to my life. And I get a place at the table. Now, I'm the baby of six, so that means there was eight people in my house. And I told someone recently I never realized that tables could be shortened because we never took the leaf out of our kitchen table, out of our dining room table. I always thought dining room tables were that long or longer. But there was always a place at the table for, for the six children, for the mom and the dad. But there was always a place at the table for any of our friends that just happened to be there. They, my parents took in people. They, they let young people live with us for months at end sometimes. And there was always food on the table for even those guests, even those visitors. There was always room at the table. When in God's house, there's always room at the table. There's no shortage of goods. There's no shortage of things to feast on. There's always room at the table. So there is no such thing as a sinner's prayer. But if you will say with me tonight, Lord, forgive me of my sins. I accept what you did on the cross of Calvary. And I accept your blood as the supreme and eternal sacrifice for my sins. I want you as my Lord and Savior. Amen. That's it, guys. That's it. That's, that's simple. And there's other evangelists, other preachers, it's got even different words that they say. And that may not always be the word I say. But there is nothing in the Scriptures that says you have to say it a certain way. So I'm here to tell you, once again, in closing, and we're going to, as usual, we're going to close in prayer, but in closing, if you will accept the invitation, the adoption invitation, you can sit under the tablecloth of grace at the king's table.
our Heavenly Father. Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your many blessings upon our life, Lord. We ask, God, that you'll touch, that you'll move on those that are, are listening, Lord, uh, nowhere, no matter where they're at, no matter what country, no matter what position, no matter where or what they're listening and on to. Lord, we ask that you'll bless each and every listener, Lord, in the future, in, in the future and in the present, Lord, we ask that you'll bless and that you'll move, Lord. I know that your hand is long, and Lord, I know that no matter when they pull this up, Lord, that you can bless whoever, whether it's a, a, a year from now, a day from now, a hundred years from now, a thousand years from now, if this is still out there and still being listened to, God, I know that you'll still be blessing. Lord, and I ask this in Jesus' sweet and holy name, amen. Until the next time, be good to one another. Take care of each other. Love you.